Hi, welcome to Romance Happy Hour. I'm Dylan Crush. And I'm Don Ludicky. We're bringing you your favorite romance authors. You'll get to hear them read from their books and answer your questions. Now let's get on with the show. We are live. Hi, Don here with Romance Happy Hour, our special episode today. I'm here with Dylan. She's below me. I don't know if she's still below me on the everybody else's screen, but... And uh, we are here with some of the authors from the Askew Ever After uh, Romance box set that I am a part of, and Jotham Austin the second. Now, can we call you Joe or, or Jotham? Um, you, you can call me Joe, uh, but yeah, either one. We'll call you Jotham. We'll call you, you Jotham. Call me Jotham. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. No, but the, the friends call me Joe. I answer to both, so it's. Uh, oh. But my usually when I write author stuff, I usually use Jotham. But yeah. We're friendly here, so on a romance happy hour. So let's uh, let's go with Joe. So. All right, and Daniel Craig and Daniel. I'm gonna say your name last name wrong. Say, tell us how to say it so I don't say it wrong. Roche, just like the bug. Okay, see, I was gonna say Roche. <laughs> it was. It, you know, yeah, I was gonna say it wrong. Been Americanized over the years. Yeah, I've been overthinking it, I guess. So, um, so Dylan, um, what are you working on? Um, I have been working on edits. I, I've got edits going final, a final read through for the third book in the Tying the Knot in Texas series that comes out May 21st. And I'm uh, finishing up edits on my Love Vixen book that comes out on March 5th, which is, I think, what I said last week, too. I'm not used to yeah. only having a week between episodes. I thought I'd be more productive, Dawn, but um, I haven't been. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've been working on. How about you? I have been working on a revisions and I said the same thing last week, but I swore to my agent today that I'm going to be done with them tomorrow. So, which is a good thing. Um, so I got the revisions done and she actually came back with an editor who's interested in it. So I'm going nice. to expand it. I got it, but I got to expand it just a teasy bit more. Well, to congratulations and good luck. <laughs> Thank <Definitely>. you. <laughs> Thanks. So I'm pretty excited about that. So that's what I've been working on. I've been in my cave, my revising cage cave, I guess it could say. And um, just the askew ever after box set release, which I'm super excited. It's been doing so well. And um, as most of our viewers know, blue jeans and bubble baths is in that. And I'm very excited about that because that's the second book in my Lone Tree Ranch romance. And uh, it's a fun kind of series so far. So I love the Shut cover on the Kindle. Yeah, <laughs> I love the title too. To be honest with you, it's very hey. cool. yeah. My book one was high heels at high heels and cowboy boots, oh. and then this is blue jeans and bubble baths. The next one's gonna be lipstick and lassos. So yeah. And what about you guys? What are you working on? Uh, I'm working on a, I'm in full writing mode. I am working on a novel and when I start writing a novel, I, I do it every day. So it's, um, I'm mostly a literary writer, but I try to put elements of romance into every single one of my works. So right now I'm working on a book where it's an MMA fighter. He falls in love with a transgendered person. Oh. Yeah. See, I'm trying to find an agent myself and she told me she's looking for that kind of a thing. It's all about transgendered people right now. I said, all right, I'm going to give it a try, and I will send it to you first. Nice. Awesome. What about you, Jotham? 
So yeah, so kind of uh, have a uh, my my debut sci-fi psychological thriller novel is released um, uh, next month, February twenty-third, um, by Rescue. So kind of in in marketing mode and and promotion mode for that. Um, on a writing front, a book, you know, it, it's a "Will you still love me if I become someone else?" Um, and that the big question there is, you know, we all change as people and in relationships. Um, if you, you know, how do we react as people change and in a book the main character he gets uh accidentally 110 memories from other people and so he has to sort through who he is and his fiance has to uh, decide if she can love who he's becoming or what he was um so mm -hmm. that's kind of that story there so once again like daniel said try to weave in you know I, i'm a literary writer also so weave in romance and filler elements sci-fi elements uh and so as i write um and, and on a writing front, uh, I have a piece, uh, The Cost of Us. Um, and that's a cyberpunk dystopian uh, story. Uh -huh. um, and once again, it's a, you know, kind of this, this uh, dystopian society where lying is illegal. And so if you lie, you have to go to a digital realm uh, and, and kind of get back. And so the main character, once again, he falls in love and it's kind of who do you trust, who's lying, who's not. Uh, so it's kind of fun to write that and, and um, kind of play with those um, kind of constructs. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'll be picking up Joe's book when it's out. Mm -hmm. I've been seeing it all over my newsfeed and I, I'm interested <laughs> in that. It's, it's very unique sounding. It sounds Thank like you. a really interesting concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love that you're here tonight. We, we've been talking about how the only male, well, we did have a surprise guest at our Christmas party that was, um, someone we know's husband um <laughs> who refused to show his face but other otherwise we've only had an author's husband who came on to read mm -hmm. because she had a sore throat and couldn't read when it was time for her to read her piece so oh, yeah. it's pretty exciting that we have a great not man supporting his wife <laughs> yeah pretty exciting we have not one male romance author who who has a, a romantic piece in your box set but two mm -hmm. So yeah, see a lot of the comments over there. We've got um, a lot of our regulars are here. They're pretty excited to have some new to them authors to check out tonight. So Hi, ladies, Hello. thanks for joining us. And Karen's already on with the question. Already, I see already asking the questions. So <laughs> we'll get to them, I promise. Although don't overload me this time, Karen. I, I had to keep track of the questions last time and yeah. um, and Karen buried me in questions. <laughs> I think I think our Christmas party maybe uh, kind of peaked her game up there because she had some competition. She did, yeah. Party, so there were a couple people that were asking a lot of questions, and and yeah. I think yeah, that brought out not that it takes much, but I think it brought out Karen's competitive side. So. <laughs> yeah, <it sure> did. <laughs> So yeah, I'm already seeing lots of questions. Linda's got some really good ones in there too. Um, but you know what? We could start with the "Where are you from?" I don't know if if you oh, yeah. are, yes willing to share that. We immediately in the backstage area. I immediately um, was asking Daniel lots of questions about where <laughs> he's coming to us from. So I don't know if if you guys are comfortable. Kind of, you don't have to share your exact GPS coordinates because sure. some romance readers, you know. <laughs> Just I can't have people showing up here. Exactly. But yeah, you want to give yeah. us an idea of just kind of where you're from and what brought you into writing romance? Because it sounds like both of you are gearing a little more toward the literary side, but 
the askew ever after i mean that's a a romance anthology so what got you interested in that i read a couple books just for the heck of it some nora roberts and some nicholas sparks because as a writer trying to find out i'm trying to read the best sellers of all the novelists that are like the biggest and of romance those two are the biggest well it's actually really surprising second daniel because a lot of true romance readers will say Nicholas Sparks does not write romance because he kills his people off. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why I, as a guy, like him. I don't know. I thought he was fantastic. So he he writes a lot of romantic elements, and there's a ton of romance in his books. But you know, yeah. the I mean, as an avid romance reader, the number one rule of genre romance is you have to have a happy ending. That's fair. I've read a couple of his books that did not have a happy. No, they don't. So that's why a lot of, um, I guess, I don't know, what would you call them, Don? Like, truists. <laughs> um, the definition of a romance, you have to have a happy ending. So yeah. well, my, my initial draft for this, the book in the in the uh, box that did not have a happy ending, and that was a requirement. One of the questions in here, someone's asking, what changed from your first draft? I changed that to try to get into the box set. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult. I had to add about 20,000 words to it just to get to that point. Yeah, you can't kill off your characters if they're your hero or heroine unless you're writing paranormal and you want to bring them back to life so they can get there happily ever after. (laughs) (laughs) So we're, I mean, we're we're, we're just teasing. But yeah, when you said Nicholas Sparks, I was like, oh! (laughs) I, I love some Nicholas Sparks books. That was probably yeah. a notebook it, when I, I still oh, like yeah. one of my favorite, most favorite books of all time. But it's like, mm, I've learned now I cannot call him a romance author because mm. he does not deliver the HEA. <laughs> so I, I oh. have a mo- I have the notebook. Like my, my husband, one time I sent him out and I was sick or something. I sent him out for a movie and he brought back the notebook. And I'm like, do you not love me? <laughs> You don't love me. Why did you bring back a movie that I want to cry at? <laughs> no. I'm not the crying type. I, lo- I like to laugh. But anyway, so shall we hear from one of you? Would you like to read, Jotham? Yeah. Let's do this. Sure. All right. Know. He looks scared um, now since I jumped on Daniel's. Yeah. <laughs> no. Sorry. Dylan's a bit no, no, spicy. I, 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 I kind of uh, agree. No, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I like Laura Roberts, W. McComber's, uh, Lisa Jewell with some of her, you know, when she's not writing psychological stuff, but she has her romance novels um, when, as with this box set. So I've always liked secretly rom-com is like my secret thing. Like I would be watching rom-com movies. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. after hanging out at bar, you get home yeah. and, and single and you flip on TV, I'm watching, you know, who's got mail and, um, and so, yeah, so, and then with this box set coming into it, um, I had I had not written a true romance uh, uh, kind of story. So I actually had to go, I had a reason now to go buy uh, romance novels. And so I was at like the, the used bookstores, you know, kind of loading up, asking friends who read that genre a lot more than I do, just for the reading. And, and like you said, the arcs and things like that. So um, I did try to mm-hmm. capture that in, in my writing um, as I went, but um, yeah, so. Uh, the piece of Marie that I wrote for uh, the box set, um, it's a, a tomorrow may be too late. Um, and so I'm going to start um, in the um, kind of the, the second chapter, end of second chapter, where Ella and Trey, who are good friends, they kind of finally um, um, kind of realize that they uh, should be together and then three a little 
little bit. Ella's excited voice snaps me out of the memory. We're here. I studied a weather-beaten sign hanging from the rusty brown chain above the door. The runny egg? You ask for breakfast and I deliver. Ella grabs my hand and pulls me into the diner. After ordering the sound of muffled conversation, coffee refills, and a clatter of dishes fill in the silence between Ella and I as we eat. Good? Ella asks over her empty plate. I swallow the last bite of pancake, nodding. Ella staring at me. What? I grab a napkin. Something on my face? Ella shakes her head, reaching out and grabs my hand. Trey, did you mean what you said? Said about? I raise my eyebrow. Never leaving me? Ella is staring at me again, and I want to look away, but I cannot. Yes, Ella, you're like my... I, I wanted to tell you last night, but you know, she looks down into her empty coffee mug. I'm sorry. Please tell me now, Ella. I'm all yours. Ella looks up at me. Really? Yes, Ella. Now spill it. You're making me nervous. You're not moving away, are you? I love you, Trey. You what? Sorry, it was silly. I shouldn't have said it. Forget it. Ella leans away. Ella, no, it's not. Really? Ella smiles. Really? You always are there for me when life takes a crap on my head. I reach out and grab Ella's hand again, continuing. And no, it's not silly. We always find each other. And we love coffee and pancakes. You're, you're my best friend. And even like last night. Not exactly what I'm saying. Ella tries to pull her hand away, but I resist. Let, let me finish. I love you too. Are you serious? Not saying that because you're hungover and exposed because Blondie ran off without taking you to breakfast? What? Ella leans over the table and presses her face into mine. I close my eyes wanting to remember every detail. Cherry lip gloss, sweet maple syrup, clove, the taste of her. You can open your eyes now, Ella whispers as she pulls away. I open my eyes and her face is still blurry close. Goose flesh breaks out on my arm. Ella slumps back into her seat, lips curling into a smile. Did she change, or is the way I'm looking at her changing? I rub back the goose flesh on my arm. Have I always felt this way? Have I been an idiot all these years? Not wanting another moment to pass, I lean across the table for another kiss, and Ella smirks. Don't spoil me. She lifts towards me over the dirty dishes on the table, and our lips press together. I could stay like this forever, because nothing has ever felt so right. Chapter 3. It's like wearing a comfortable pair of clothes or something like that is how Ella keeps explaining our relationship. I was thinking about that walking into my house, thinking I should call Ella and see what she is doing for dinner tonight. I sit my bag down and yelp seeing Ella sitting in my living room. Ella, what? I was just thinking about calling you for dinner. She slurps a noodle. I was at my studio and thought I could buy and eat dinner with you, but I was starving and got started early. Can I, I can wait if you like. Oh, okay, no eat. I kick my shoes off. How'd you get in? with the key. What key? The one you gave me in a house when you were at that conference and you still had custody of the cat. She turns and looks at me. Remember? Uh, yeah, right. I studied a bowl that Ella is using and realize it's one of those fancy china bowls I got in a divorce settlement. Where'd you find that bowl? Ella looks up at me. What is this, 1,000 questions? No, it's just that uh, I hadn't unpacked those bowls. They were from, from your divorce. I remember, I was there. You wanted a cat, but got the china. I helped you carry the boxes into the house. I didn't think they were very special. Sorry if they were. You didn't have any other bowls, and I think this is what counts as a special occasion. Special occasion? I raise my eyebrow. Yeah, I'm having dinner at your house for the first time as a girlfriend. Okay, you win. Fancy china it is. So what's for dinner? Ramen, beef, and mushroom for you. I don't like mushrooms, but I know you do. 
I go into my bedroom to change and notice the bed is made. I pull back the comforter and the sheets on the bed I don't recognize. I slip on my sweatpants and t-shirt. Hey, Ella, did you do something to the bed? Yes, I put clean sheets on it. I don't remember these sheets, I say walking into the living room. Of course not, I had to go buy them. Why? Uh, I don't know what skinny women you've been sleeping with on that bed. Ella serves a noodle, plus you didn't have any in your linen closet. Okay, but why now? What's with all the questions? Trey, go get your food. I want to watch a movie. I turn on the kitchen light and there is one of these china bowls, midnight blue. I look away to the pot on the stove before I start crying. I pull off the lid and white fluffy steam rushes out. Ella, did you cook this? Yes, why? You don't like it? No, this is amazing. I breathe in the allium aroma and squeeze my eyes shut to stop the tears. I open my eyes and fill my bowl. Ella is smiling at me when I walk into the living room. She pats the cushion next to her and I sit down. She picks up the remote control and presses play. Fifth element, I say in between slurping noodles. A classic, Ella leans back. Ella rubs small circles along my back as I slurp the spicy noodles. I could get used to this. Should I get used to this? Ella leans into me, resting her head on my shoulder and whispers into my ear. We're like a comfy pair of shoes. I pick up the bowl and drink the last of the broth. Damn, that was good. What did you cook up for dessert? Ella laughs. I've been waiting for you to ask. She takes the bowl from me, sits it on the table, and in one quick move, she's straddling me. And I think I should stop reading there to keep it a little PG-13. So, um, so that's it. That's it. Very good. Thank you. Nicely done. Yeah. Nice job, John. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. And we do have some questions, right, Dylan? We do. You want me to get to those? Sure. All first, right. of, wait. First, Jotham, what are you drinking there? Yeah. So um, every year I, I do dry dryuary, so I don't drink any alcohol in the month of January. So actually, I just have a, a ginger beer uh, with uh, some maraschino cherry, maraschino cherry juice. Maybe it sounds like I've been drinking in some lime. So it's a little <laughs> mock, mocktail. There you go, um, mocktail. It looks fancy, but um, yeah, so a little mocktail. So I saw you guys Perfect. have fabulous recipes on your website. So if people don't know that, they should go to the Romance Happy Hour <laughs> and check out those cocktails. February, I'm going through the list. So that's uh, just so All you right. guys know. So cool. Yay. Yeah, Don and I have a good time testing those out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and if, if you see whiskey drinks, that's because my husband's like, my husband's home essentially, and he likes whiskeys. <laughs> yeah, that's good. No, whiskey's good. <laughs> all right, Karen is asking, "How did you all meet for the anthology?" Jeez, um, I think we're all writers already for them, aren't we? I know Jotham and I are. Yep. I'm. I'm not. I saw it on. Um, I, Mandy was um, soliciting for some authors on the box set, on a box set thing. And um, <clears throat> so I just decided to do it. Cause I'm like, why not? I need to get, I like to do box sets because it forces me to have a, um, a deadline that I can't change. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to write book two and I didn't want to have a reason to like be like, nah, nah, nah. so that's why I do Deadlines that. do help. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we, you were already signed to them. You were signed to them, right? Yeah. I, 
yeah, but I had, I had um, so my novel was in going through the, the edits and developmental stuff, and so I saw it also on the box set, um, mm-hmm. and and I was I was a little hesitant, but yeah, because it was a it was a romance themed box set, and I had never written a romance. It was one of these. It was a leap of faith. Like you know, if I was going to do it, I was just going to do mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and write the story. And I had a story in my head. These characters, Ellen Trey, and um, and that's where. But yeah, I am I am I am a other signed with Rediscue, but I, I found this because I was actually looking on the, uh, I forget what site, Margo's box sets or something like that for other oh, yeah. ideas, and I mm-hmm. kind of came across that. I came across that one, so I'm, I'm in some other anthologies coming up later this year, um, also found on there, so it's kind of like, once again, it gives you a deadline, you got to put down the words, mm-hmm. um, focuses, it focuses what you're yeah. writing, so usually I have like a million ideas, and I write, I write five thousand words here, ten thousand words there. So this actually, I got to put down the words. I go through the process. So it keeps me on task with other stuff, so I can um, do that. But yeah, nice. Well, and somebody was asking a little bit farther down. I think it was Catherine was asking. Um, I think she went to look up your other book and didn't couldn't find your name. Is it? It's under your name, right? Not a different pen name or anything. Right. Myself. Is it up for yeah. order? Yeah, it's it's not on Amazon yet. I think it'll be it'll be up there okay. in, in shortly. Um, it's on Goodreads right now. If you're there, and you can find it on my website, okay. uh, jothamaustin.com. Um, you can find a description there. But yeah, it's it will be on Amazon. I actually just got a, a, a email from the uh, publisher uh, today about you know, the final read through and checks and all that for the final file. So nice. it should be up there soon. So yeah, yeah. Okay, we can have her just go look on Goodreads and she can find it there. Yep. Um, so Karen had asked, what is the significant way your book has changed since the first draft? I know Daniel, you answered that. Was there anything significant? Well, beyond the happily ever after, was there um, anything else significant or was there anything for you, Jotham, that changed since your first draft? Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think there's any significant, um, big plot change or anything like that. I think the, the book did, I, I think initially outlined 10 chapters and it's 11 or so. Um, so, so obviously some more words got put in there, you know, um, but no, it was, it, it pretty much stayed the same. I think if I made any change, it would have ballooned above and probably hit novel level. And I, I wanted to keep another 30,000 into the novella kind of category. But right now the POV is the point of view is all from Trey. Um, I, I think it would be really fun to give Ella's side of this, you know, her viewpoint um, and add that, but that would probably double the story. So it, mm-hmm. it would be more of 60, 70,000 words than what you, you know, like a nice mm-hmm. length for a romance, you know, kind of novel, you know, on a, mm-hmm. a shorter side. But um, for this, I kind of reined it in and really tried to just give that point of view and, and, and use flashbacks a little bit to give Ella's side of the story. But also, it's all through Trey's eyes, so he's seeing it through his kind of viewpoint. But that's um. Do you find it harder to read at, or to sorry read write to write at the smaller um, word counts? I'm I'm doing that today. Like I've got a sixty thousand word novel that I'm working with my agent, and I'm just like like sixty thousand and yeah. and un, under. I find a little bit challenging. I think my sweet spot is about seventy to eighty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's a mixed bag. So I I started out writing poetry and short fiction, like short stories, 
Um, and I really, mm. I actually like that. And, and the pacing of it, it forces you to the pacing to be really tight. Um, so when mm -hmm. I, when I write out my novels, you start shorter, um, like, uh, will you still love me if I become someone else? I think when I finished that, it was around 70,000 words. And I think now it's about a hundred thousand. Um, so there's <laughs> yeah. quite a bit of story added back. So I'm, I'm pretty quick. Like I think Daniel mentioned, um, that, that he's a quick writer. He gets into it, he writes. And then you're done. So I like to write that. My first draft is as quick as the bones of the story. And then I figure out who needs more plot, who needs more background um, and flesh out the story. So usually I can I could probably stop in a story. People are reading. Oh, yeah, this story is pretty. That's a good story. Uh, but I wish I could hear about this character, this voice. And so when I go to the novel length, I, add, I start adding kind of like here. Where I'm thinking, mm -hmm. oh, Ella can have her voice and this scene can be a little longer. Or, you know, I had to get them together in a chapter and a half. Um, you know, and I could probably be stretched to a couple more awkward uh, exchanges and and fun, playful things. So you can really kind of then stretch out the story from there. So um, it, shorter fiction kind of fits my writing style. And then mm -hmm. going longer, it's, um, you know, usually like I think Dawn was saying, the editor gives you a little prod, like, come on, you got to, what about that character? Like, you, you know, yeah. that's a great character. Why don't they have a story? So I think that's um, that's kind of my approach to it. So. And what about you, Daniel? Besides the happily ever after, there, a lot of things changed because I had to get it from them not getting together to them getting together at the end. Mm -hmm. So originally it's because it's a story of a boy who's, he's been friend zoned by his girl crush and he just desperately wants her. So he's basically finding out the hard way that the good guy finishes last because her actual boyfriend is a jerk who treats her very poorly and he just doesn't understand it. So. I had to add many layers of him figuring out how to like stay a nice guy but become the man that she needs him to be in order for him to actually realize that he's the one and not her current boyfriend. That's why I took another 20,000 words to get there. Nice. So do you write from a female POV? I have. I've written in uh, many different POVs. And do you find it challenging or easy to write from the the POV from the opposite sex? Personally, I find it challenging. So what I do is I kind of prepare for that kind of a mindset by reading other books written in a female point of view. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Jotham? Yeah, uh, yeah, no. So you know the the thing about like with Will You Still Love Me, um, they're they're both it, it's male and female point of view and and. Um, yeah, it is. It truly is a challenge. Um, and, and once again, it's inner, you know, I, I have a lot of female friends. And so interacting with them and conversations, um, a lot of female good friends. So you can ask kind of more intimate questions. Uh, my wife, you know, you know, you know, I get a lot of inspiration and, and uh, kind of, um, you know, thinking that way. Um, but it is it, it always is a challenge. You got to go through and a lot of my readers, better readers, Editors so far, they're all women. So if I'm really overstepping or or really uh, saying something like something that seems like oh that would be something that a woman might do, it's it's always nice. And nah, that's that's not that's not the way it works, buddy. So pull back um, and not do that. And it was uh, one of the nicest compliments was in Will You Still Love Me If I Become Someone Else. Uh, one of the characters is actually pregnant. And so I have this, this scenes where she is going through kind of morning sickness and things like that. And my editor was the, initially who read it was pregnant at the time. And she wrote that it, it was, a, it was spot on. Like it was, it was really nice. <laughs> she felt it 
because she was just she kind of just got through the you know kind of the third month out of the the heavy morning sickness so she was kind of moving on and she was like oh that's that feels about right so i was like oh okay good nice on the shoulder and and move along but yeah it is a challenge you do want to do it right and i think any any voice you know if i'm writing a uh, someone with a different sexual identity than, than my own, um, you want to be sure to be sensitive, different different race, right? I mean, so you kind of have to, to be mindful of that and, and not, um, and have readers, usually use use readers. That's where I think better readers are really good. Um, sensitivity readers, they can come in and really help you, um, you know, highlight things if you're, you know, saying a stereotypic thing or um, coloration, anything like that, that kind of skews it. So I, I, I recommend people writing in a different voice. If you're a woman writing a male voice, I, I think there is really good. Find some readers who are, you know, that fit the, um, kind of the gender, the sexuality, um, race even if you can. Yeah. And do you, does your spouse, um, read your books? Yes. Uh, my, she does. My, my mm-hmm. wife, actually, she's not a big romance fan. So this book, she kind of, she, she kind of read it, but I don't, it was like, kind of like, eh, like, you know, it's not, it's not her genre. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, she'll, I, I do throw things there and she'll tell me if it really sucks. So she didn't say it sucked. So I, I figured it was good. <laughs> and then move on. She's a writer herself. So she, oh, she go. plays and she was a, a journalist for a newspaper for some years. So nice. um, I think she would, she would tell me if it, it was, uh, it was crap. <laughs> and I think that the spouse, um, and at least mine in general, if I really want an honest and blunt opinion, I will definitely tell him because he's not gonna, he's not gonna sugarcoat anything. So, yeah, that's a good beta reader for you right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me do uh, maybe what one or two more questions real quick. Sure. All right. We have another one from Karen. Surprise, surprise. Um, what do you need in your writing space to help you stay focused? Mm, stay focused. Some, usually some soft classical piano music. That's about it. I can write anywhere, outside, inside, as long as I just have some quiet, light music, I can write. Yeah, I, I can. I, I pretty much will write any. I mean, I can write anywhere. And so the one thing is that I commute or by train to work. And so mm-hmm. I. Um, I've really become good. I, I think I, I wrote an entire novel on my iPhone. Um, uh, one that I'm, I'm editing, The Cost of Us. And so it kind of, that's my time where I could sit there and, and um, kind of work on things uh, and, and get writing. But I usually put my earphones in and um, just listen to music. And, and usually different different pieces have different soundtracks. So I don't I don't limit it to one type of music, but I'll, I'll try to find a, the voice of the person and the music because what I find is that if I'm writing piece A and then I stop and I go to piece B, oftentimes if I if I had a certain set of music or, or a playlist that I liked, I can get back into that story and those characters mm-hmm. if I put that soundtrack back on and kind of that gets me back in. So I can have like multiple projects going because this one is this soundtrack, which is totally different yeah. than this, this, this uh, play track. So um, I, I do do that a lot, but yeah, I can yeah. write. I write when I, I get hit, usually it's like, um, I'm in the gym running on a treadmill and then I'll, I'll have the perfect scene constructed in my head. And, and then I, I, uh, I can't, I'm not near any, uh, I, I, you know, I, not any place to actually write. So that's, that's usually it, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you ever start transcribing and um, on the, the commuter train, um, take a video so we can see, you know, people's faces while you're talking to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're uh, I'd watch that. 
Yes, that, that would be something. <laughs> get taken to the loony bin. I'll be sure to call you up. <laughs> hey, Donna, can you pick me up hey, the You told me to do this. Here you go. No, yeah. No, I can't transcribe. Do you guys transcribe anything? Nope. No, I tried. I, I tried when I was like some years ago when I was younger. I had one of those little micro cassette players. I thought it'd be super cool to walk around. I don't know why. That seemed cool um, and, and talk into it like, you know. But like I'm on Twin Peaks or something, like you know, uh, so I kind of yeah. <laughs> didn't work out. So it just wasn't. Okay. I, I tried dictating because, you know, in the summer we oftentimes will drive. We have a cabin in northern Minnesota, so it's you know a good three-hour drive, and so it just feels like a lot of that time is you know wasted. So I tried dictating, and it took me I think three days to fix what I'd written because it didn't pick up right. So. Right. And then I didn't even remember, you know, like what was I even trying to say here? Because it's not even I don't <laughs> right know. as speech. Maisie Yates. I just listen to books on tape on those long car rides. Yep. Mm. yep. Maisie yeah, Yates writes other half people. of her. I do my own. Yeah, Maisie Yates writes like half of her books dictating. And I'm just like, oh, I, I don't know. understand. Like, I don't understand yeah. how to do it. That's a different yep. skill, I guess, because mm -hmm. I can't imagine doing it. Yep. yep. <laughs> Well, should we have Daniel read so we have time? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. All right. All right. So this is just the first, the very beginning. It's like the first chapter and the half of the second chapter. So I want to start right from the beginning just to try to get everybody in the mood of what the book's about. If you like it, hopefully you'll buy the box set and give my book a shot. There are days when I walk out into an open field, and the first thing I notice are the wildflowers dancing. I take a moment to listen and to feel the wind blowing. Then I wonder, is it the wind that makes the flowers dance, or do they sway on their own? Then I remember, the wind and the flowers are connected. Everything is connected. This, of course, is when I realize that I, too, am dancing. Chapter 1. She always starts with the universe, drawing tiny stars on the paper and filling the spaces between with large circles. Some circles have even smaller circles within them to represent craters. Other circles have a ring around them because Saturn is Jennifer's favorite. Harold Connolly returns the picture to the fridge and steps back to admire it. The Mona Lisa can't compete, not as far as Harold is concerned. The clock strikes three, which is Harold's happiest time of day. All the boring edits are done and the article will be submitted in time for print. Research for tomorrow's column is complete. The lawn is mowed. The dishes are done, not much left to do now, so Harold steps outside. He's wearing his open-toed sandals, and the grass, though recently mowed, is still long enough to tickle his feet. He puts the lawnmower in the shed and turns on the hose. A gentle stream of water spills from the opening, so Harold uses his thumb to create pressure and fans a light spray over the flower bed. The wind blows. It washes him in a gentle wave of tiny droplets and the flowers sway in the breeze, moving just beneath a rainbow in the mist. Harold moves his hips, as though dancing with nature itself. When he's done, he puts the hose away, returns to the garden, and bends down to rub his finger against the moist stem of a tulip, also Jennifer's favorite. A drop of water rests on one of the red petals. The sun falls upon it, making the droplet glisten like a ruby. He picks the flower and brings it to his nose, then he closes his eyes and takes in the delicate perfume. Satisfied, he carries the flower into the house, 
carefully as though handling a precious artifact. The real work is about to begin. Two plates sit on the kitchen table. Harold pours water into a vase and rests the tulip in the center, right where the sun doesn't shine. He places his hands on his hips and grimaces at the shadow casting over the flower. The sun shines to the left of the table, so he takes everything off, moves the table, then sets everything up again. Once more, the tiny water droplet glistens on the flower petal, shining like a ruby. Jennifer is going to love it. She always does. It's time to make the sandwiches. Peanut butter and jelly, cut diagonally, also one of her favorites. Everything is perfect, so Harold makes a coffee to go, grabs a book, and leaves the house. The bus should be arriving in any minute, and Harold loves to join his little girl on the quick walk home. Chapter 2. Sophia is my current crush. There's a ton of girls in my school who could make me just as happy, but she has that certain something. There's a longing in her eyes to find beauty in all people, even Ricky, her jerk of a boyfriend. Maybe that's what I like about her. She has this need to make stars out of moons, as though it's her responsibility to find the worst guy around and change him. It's nerve-wracking to watch, but I'm hoping she'll snap out of it, learn her lesson, and finally give me a chance. Until then, I guess I'm fine just being her friend. I do nice things for her, even though I know it won't get me anywhere, but it makes her happy. I suppose that's good enough for me. Today I stayed after school so I could stick around and give her a ride home. She's staying late all week because she needs extra credit in math class. That's not a big deal. I spent the entire hour in the library, surrounded by books. Sophia meets me in front of the gym. Her dark brown eyes shimmer with gratitude once she sees me. I offer to carry her books. Thanks, Gigi. Gigi is her play name for me. It used to be Gray Gray, short for Gregory. Once she got to know me a little better, she shortened it to Gigi. It grew on me. The wind blows her soft, dirty hair as we, dirty blonde hair as we make our way across the football field. She keeps swiping her hand across her head, but it doesn't help. The golden tips keep finding my neck and tickling me until I'm forced to move farther away from her. We talk about her day until we enter the student parking lot. I open the passenger door to my truck for her and close it once her legs are out of the way. My mom raised me to be a gentleman. She said it will help me to win over a woman's heart. So far, it hasn't helped. We waiting for Ricky, I ask, hoping she'll tell me they broke up. Not today. He took the bus home. Just her and I. Good. We drive south along Sturbridge Road. She rolls her window down so her hair can torture me again. It tickles my, my arm every time I need to shift, and the scent of flowers fills the truck. Whether it's spring blossoms or Sophia's hair, I can't tell. She makes being with her easy. She loves to talk, which works out because I don't. She mostly complains about Ricky, which is nothing new. I'll never understand girls and their need to be in relationships with guys who don't adore them. But my mom tells me nice guys get the girl later in life. She says young women want the bad boys, but grown women know better than to put up with that crap. I sure hope mom is right about that one, because Sophia is going on and on about Ricky and how awful he is. A scream scratches at my throat, but I keep it together. We stop at a traffic light on Main Street, then take a right across uh, once the light turns green. Sophia stops talking long enough to let me speak. I clear my throat and offer my support. I'll stand behind whatever decision you make. Her forehead gets all wrinkly as she knits her eyebrows together. What do you mean? If you leave him, you know, 
If you leave Ricky, I'll support it. She laughs. I'm not leaving him. Oh, it's all I can manage to say because my heart is sinking and it's taking my words with it. Her hand falls on my forearm. It activates the balloon in my chest, which grows bigger every time she touches me. You're so sweet, she says. I know you mean well, but Ricky loves me. He has a weird way of showing it. She stares out the window as though searching for the lies she needs to tell herself. He tells me all the time. I've always felt actions speak louder than words. She quiets me by putting her hand on my forearm again. It makes me want to melt into my seat like a weak little stick of butter. It's pathetic and I know it, but I can't help myself. Some days I wish I could be more like Ricky. He's the non-committed type, like he can take her or leave her. Girls like Sophia seem to fall all over that sort of thing. Every guy in school wants them, but they go for the ones who don't show any interest. It makes me nuts. I turn left on the East Brimfield Road and eat off, ease off the gas. We're getting dangerously close to Alexander Road, close to Sophia's house. Once she's home, she'll hop out of the truck, blow me a kiss, and leave me sitting there, breathless. The worst part is I won't see her again till morning. Until then, all I'll have is an image in my head of her beautiful smile and her gorgeous, naturally tanned skin. She's a living doll, molded to perfection by a cruel god who placed her directly in my path and denied me the tools necessary to win her heart. The sun sneaks behind a cloud. It casts a shadow over the road, and now we're driving through gloom. Sophia doesn't seem to notice it. She sticks her hand out the window and lets the wind lift it up and down. It's so beautiful out, she says. I love this time of year. She's not wrong. Aside from the gloomy clouds, it's really nice out. Spring blossoms cling to the trees. They decorate the roadside with delicate colors of pink, purple, and white. The air is brisk, too. Warm enough to enjoy it, but cold enough to keep from sweating. With Sophia's window down, the scents of our surroundings spill inside the truck. Someone recently mowed their lawn, and something wet and natural accompanies it, as though it just rained somewhere nearby. With all the thick clouds looming overhead, I wouldn't doubt it. Being such a nice guy, I can't help but agree with her. Spring is amazing, I tell her. It's the most gorgeous time of year. I want to say it's not as gorgeous as her, but that kind of talk never gets me anywhere. Besides, I already screwed up by being agreeable. I should have simply told her the truth, that fall is my favorite time of year. With all the colors and crisp leaves crunching underfoot, or the Halloween candy and the scary stories told by a patio fire? Don't get me wrong, spring is a strong second, but believe me, nothing beats New England in autumn. That's it. Well, that's true, though. <laughs> New England is absolutely gorgeous in autumn. Yes, it is. <laughs> that was awesome. So do you write YA then? I write everything. Um, I've written a couple horrors. You, you would ask Joe earlier if uh, his wife reads any of his material. I've been recently engaged as of July, July 4th, actually. Congratulations. Congrats, congrats. She reads a lot of my material, but when I first started writing, I wrote horror and thriller, and she doesn't like that at all. And plus, I found more success writing stuff like this, the lighthearted, more um, literary stuff. So I think horror is just a side passion. It's something I enjoy reading. It's something I enjoy writing, but it's not really something I, I feel I should share with the world. Yeah, that was actually one of our questions that probably Dylan was 
you in a minute. They wanted to know if you had any family members that oh, read your books. Well, family members. Um, my father read one of my horror novels, um, and the father figure in the book was not a very good person. He said, "Wow, people are going to think I'm a jerk." <laughs> so. I was upset about that because my father is not a complimentary person. He he does not praise his children. But one day, the very first story I ever published in a in a print magazine, um, I wrote a story about and written in a father's perspective. His daughter's in the hospital dying of cancer, and it's him trying to deal with it. And when he finished it, he put it down and said, "You wrote this?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "You're a damn good writer." And as soon as he said that, I was like. I just got a compliment from my dad. He's never complimented me. I was like, I got to stick with this genre, I guess. Yeah. So I kept going. And plus, I get a lot of, um, I got a lot of attention from the ladies. Not that kind of attention, but say, oh my goodness, I love your writing. It's so beautiful. So I was like, okay, I think that's where I'm supposed to be in that pocket. So I keep horror and thriller to the side now. Yeah. I love that line that you read about how, um, a cruel God could put her in your path and not give you the, the tools to, you know, deny you the tools to be able to win her. I was like, that was really great. Yeah. Really great experience. <laughs> Fortunately, if the nice guy wins last, I don't mind being last because my fiance, I met her at 37 years old and I've never been more in love in my entire life. So ah. being last is fine with me. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. So yeah, we did have a couple other questions. Um, and I'm, I am hoping I'm saying your name right. Leecha wants to know, do your book characters talk to you? And if they do, have you had to change something in the story because of it? Um, first of all, I see someone congratulating me on my engagement. Thank you, Linda. Or Lika, I really appreciate that. So I, I, with that said, I guess I should answer the question first. Sorry, <laughs> Jotham. But I want to make sure she knew I appreciated that compliment. And um, yes, they do. I mean, I, I don't know a lot of writers. I mean, even when the whole story is written in your head and you got the beginning, middle, end, the characters tend to change the direction of the book and they do it often. It's not even annoying. I love it because if I'm surprised by the story I'm writing, I know the reader is also going to be surprised by it. And that's a good feeling for me because I don't want to be predictable. So uh, how do you, uh, I'm going to, I am I know I'm interrupting with a lot of my own questions, Dylan, I'm so sorry. All right. <laughs> how do you guys come up with your inspiration? What? Do, how do you get your inspiration? Like, does it just come, like you said, um, like, does it just come to you or do you, I don't know. Like sometimes I go, if I really want to force my imagination, I have to take a shower. I don't know why, but taking a shower will give me some inspiration. But usually, where do you where do you get your inspiration from your books from? So yeah, I mean, for for me personally, I think um, as I write, I, I usually think of a question or or something that some thing I want to answer, and 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 then kind of go from there. And generally, it comes a title, and then some some synopsis like i gotta have a start and an end and and then i fill it in and you're right as you write you know when i'm feeling it i'm feeling it and i can just sit down and you know i, I got two five thousand words done in an afternoon and when i'm not feeling it i just i try to put down what i can and then 
sometimes just that piece has to go on the shelf for a little bit. I'm not either mentally ready to write that story. I'm not the, my skill, my craft isn't quite there yet. You know, what I want to say, it becomes frustrating. So, you know, you start getting into that. You start getting into that where you're, you're like, maybe I don't have the tools yet to write this story. And I think that it is some, it's some growth. And, you, and I, I always heard writers say that like, oh yeah, I didn't, I couldn't have wrote this story as my debut. It, it took me three other books and then I got that story. And sometimes you don't understand that, but then now I'm kind of getting into books and I'm like, you know, I don't know if I can pull this voice off. I don't know if I can, if I have that, you know, or you just, you start self-downing and, and you don't, you don't have it. So yeah, the inspiration's hard and, and maintaining it. But like this, the, the story, you know, uh, maybe tomorrow's too late. I think I, I wrote that in like some stream of consciousness. It's just, I had it, I had the story, I had the, the, the you know, Ella and Trey, and they were in my head and Sal. So those characters were there, and they just, it was like, this is their story, and they're going to tell it, and, and I'm going to write it. Um, kind of like Daniel said, the, the characters are in, in your head a little bit. Um, and, you know, it, it's, they're only in my head when I write. Like, that's the other thing people ask all the time. Like, oh, what is Ella doing right now? And I'm like, I don't know what Ella's doing. You know, like, I don't know what my mom's doing. Um, I'm sure she's <laughs> doing something, you know. Um, but I, I just don't know that if I'm not actually engaging with these characters, I don't I don't keep a running tally. Like, so I see these things on Facebook, like, oh, what's your characters? Are they having coffee right now? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I have no clue what they're doing. I'm sorry. But but when I'm in the story, yeah, they're they're kind of there. I'm like, I'm like actively like, uh, you know, watching them kind of move around and talk and, and interact. So it, it's weird. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me. But that's how I usually um inspiration all tethers into to their voices their character and um and things like that yeah. so. and what about you daniel it can come from anywhere the the book i'm writing right now came to me while i was taking a shower so i got out of the shower i wrote down pretty much the tagline and um i put it aside because i was working on something else and now i have the time and i'm working on it as a matter of fact it happened while i was doing the edits for corpse lily which mm. is the the book that I got signed for, um, so I, I had to I had to put Corpse Lily to the side so I could finish the edits for this book that goes up yesterday. Finally, I'm done with it, so I can get to this wonderful idea I had. And um, you know, so some of it's just random stuff like that. Uh, I got one from a drive into work one day. I wrote an entire eighty-two thousand novel just based on something that happened to me and a ride to work. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one time I was sitting next to a woman on an airplane on my way to Chicago, as a matter of fact, Jotham. And she was just telling me about her daughter who died in a drunken car accident. And wow. just the way she spoke about it inspired me to add a few details into Corpse Lily, which is coming out this year. Mm -hmm. um, I used to work for a professional moving company. Again, we're based out of Chicago, Jotham. <laughs> and I spent a lot of time just uh, in truck stops and a lot of uh, really grimy bathrooms and just awful places in this country. And what happens with those places is you see a lot of disgusting graffiti in the bathroom walls. It's derogatory towards women, uh, white people, black people, and every race in between, uh, every sexuality you can think of. And, you know, I was in my 20s. I was a grown man. I can handle it. You know what I mean? But I, I started wondering about innocence, like the children that come into these places that might need to use the restroom. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking even further what about a mentally challenged person who doesn't really see the world in sexuality or in skin color? So that's what developed a story I wrote before this one. I wrote an entire novel. Uh, it's just such a hard subject. 
that I'm on like six or seven drafts right now, and it still needs a lot more because the character is uh, a mentally disabled young man. He has Down syndrome. He was raised under his mother's care, and she just passed away right before his 18th birthday. So now he is living with his brother who owns and operates his own truck for a moving company. So now he's put into this grimy world, and it's his first time away from the beautiful world he lived in under his mother's protection. So he's experiencing it all for the first time. He's learning about his own sexuality, and he's finally discovering that there's people of different colors because he watched TV and everything else like that, but he never really put those pieces together in his head. So he's got a lot of work to do to figure this world out. He's got little time to do it because his brother needs to make money. Mm -hmm. This can come from anywhere. They really yeah. Can. So you mentioned something though. I think um, Jotham, you mentioned like you see the characters. Is it like watching a movie? Because that's how when I'm writing, I mean, I'm like literally, it's like playing on a yeah. screen in my head. And I, I wonder other authors I've talked to, some, you know, like hear the conversation, some of them see it. I'm just curious for both of you, you know, are you watching it play out in your head? Are you hearing it? Or, you know, how does it come to you? Yeah, both. I, I mean, I really, the characters are talking in my head i guess and i there's there's some interesting studies just release how some people actually have a inner monologue and mm -hmm. other people do not and and i i found i i was like and i talked to people like yeah i don't know what you're talking about like, you don't mm -hmm. have some voice in your head so <laughs> when i'm writing those characters are in my head and, and usually the scene yeah. is actually so my right when i'm writing something i'm actually just retelling the scene um and and what happened in that scene and then and, and, and go from there and so every rewrites or edits I'm actually playing a scene over and I'm like, oh, you know, this is what they would say. Yeah, that's, you're right. You you guys would have said that. Like, I should need to change that to get the voice right. Because that's what changes through the stories that the voice kind of, and, and mm -hmm. you know, you want, you know, someone said, you know, and, and a, a good piece of advice for writing is that you take the character in the, your first chapter and the character in your last chapter. And if you can, you can interchange them, you know, seamlessly, then you, you didn't, you don't have enough change through the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that, and, and it's, it's always my metric that when I get to the end, I think about that character and then I go, well, did I, they're still sound the same. They're still kind of the same person. I need to, I need to <laughs> screw them up a little more and get them through there. And then that, you know, the story, that process and, and those scenes have to replay, um, with these new kind of ideas and, you know, kind of, you know, kind of putting my thumb on the scale to, to tilt the way I want, but they go and they're just, they're just in there talking, <laughs> chattering. Haunting me. So I write their story. <laughs> How about you, Daniel? Well, my, my fiance actually just, just popped up, so I'm going to say hi to her real quick. And uh, I guess I can use that as an introduction to my next statement because we watch a lot of movies together, and sometimes she's a little surprised about how I can predict the plot line. And um, I guess it's because I've done so much reading on, on actual plot structure and there's the crap, the writing itself. And I've read so many books that, I mean, a lot of times a plot can get predictable. Mm -hmm. And especially when I watch a movie, because they, they have such a limited amount of time. They got about like an hour and a half to two hours to force a whole story into it. So I do enjoy movies, but when I'm watching them, rather than get inspired, I get a little more annoyed because I start thinking about how much more they could have done with it. However, when I watch a series of television, like a television show that can go on for many seasons... Yeah. They're better able to develop the characters. Mm -hmm. And that's when I can start seeing, okay, I can see how this could have been turned into a book or put into words or something like that. 
But um, I, I definitely prefer shows because of that. I like a long, well-developed story. Yeah. That's that about all I got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wonder because like um, Jotham was saying, you know, sometimes some people have an inner monologue and some people don't. Mm. And so, I mean, that was news to me too, because there's always, I'm always, yeah. you know, and I didn't know if that was, um, you know, a, a male female thing, if it's, uh, you know, you're a writer, creative versus, uh, you know, analytic kind of thing. My husband is very analytical and he does not, you know, I mean, the, the big joke between us when we first started dating, I'd say, what are you thinking about? And he would say nothing. And it used to drive me crazy because I, I didn't know. understand how anyone could ever think of nothing. Trying, you know, even if I'm trying, I can't think about nothing because then if I'm trying to think about nothing, then I'm trying to think about nothing. You know, I'm like, how yeah. can you? Literally, there's nothing in your head. I mean, there's always five million things in my head, like this long running thing. So it's interesting, you know, talking to authors of a, another gender just to see, you know, is the difference uh, a gender thing? Is it a, a genre thing? Is it, um, you know, like, where does that come from? I don't know. Yeah. I find it fascinating. Yeah. I, I definitely. When a man says nothing, he probably just means nothing important. A bunch of junk about work, or maybe uh, someone he that really probably means nothing. Soul, yeah, it's really nothing. it's it's fascinating. It's you know, there's just yeah, it's just some some recent studies have just come out where they're exploring that and how some people have this monologue. They have a dialogue in their head, and other people don't. And you're right, it's not. It doesn't split along gender or create. And it's just. Is some people, you know, have it, some people don't. And it's really yeah. weird. And you ask, and I saw another story just came out, like, what's it like to have the voice in your head or not to have it in your head? And you're right, that the people without it just go, it's nothing. I don't, there's nothing. I can't even imagine yeah. how things would be talking in my head. Like, what does that mean? And, and in my head, I'm like, you, there's got to be something. Like, usually I have, and now my, my wife, she actually, now, if I'm standing there and I'm just kind of, zoning out a little bit she'll go are are you talking like in your head <laughs> are you having a conversation and and usually i'm like no i'm not yeah, that's, that's not what's happening right now thing, right? that's that's yeah. in there so yeah it's, it's kind of it is kind of weird <laughs> so now I, I try not to i try to like just act normal but still keep thinking <laughs> yeah i i definitely see like a movie like in my brain i see the movie in my head you know as i'm writing it out i write out the movie that's playing in my head and that's what I try to tell my kids too. And because they're always like reading, reading, you know, well, not all my kids, some of my kids like to read, but, and I'm like, reading is the best. You literally, you don't have to just sit there for like an hour and a half, two hour movie. You get like two days of the movie. Mm. <laughs> all you got to do is read it in your head and you got it. And I, I, I think I've had the conversation with my older kids before that they're like, I see words. Like, I just, just see words in my head when I'm reading. And I'm like, not me. I see pictures. I see entire, like, scenery right. and movie. And I don't know. It's interesting. It's really interesting. I, and yeah. different people, even different authors, that they experience things differently. So yeah. it's always interesting. Do we have time for one or two more questions, Don? Or do I would say one or two. I mean, we always go over, so I know one or two. Um, Linda would like to know what's your writing software of choice, if you have one. My word processor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm nice and so, easy. Yeah, so my um, 
on my iPhone if I'm writing like on a train or something. Usually I'll write in simple note. I kind of like I like the way. I don't know why. It's maybe it's just I, I I just feel like the words flow when I'm in there. It's kind of a there's nothing no bells or whistles, nothing intrusive. Um, and then as if it's a longer piece, um, I will go to Shriver um, and and um, kind of write in there. And then uh, once I have the story pretty much a it done you know all the chapters in order i've moved things around really easy to move things around and organize I'll, i will then go to word or, or pages depending on um you know where, where i'm at but and then I'll, I'll finish editing and that way then when it's ready to go out to readers or things like that I, it's formatted correctly i don't lose anything and i know it's trying but i'm using a driver on my ipad or something like that so it's not like the desktop where you can do all the kind of page formatting so i kind of saw that that hitch, but you know, it's combination of those three. And usually I bounce between and, and work with, but um, it depends on where I'm at with the piece, but they could be scattered amongst the three um, things, so. Do you have a favorite, Daniel? Do you use like Google Docs or Word or? I use uh, pages, I write on a Mac, okay. but I do a lot of saving on it. So some people have been trying to talk me into using Google Docs and I think mm -hmm. I'm gonna switch over soon because I can sleep better at night just knowing that it's safe somewhere out in the ether. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's always a, a great fear of many authors is back up, back up, back up, because you don't yes. think it's going to happen to you. It happened to me. I did. Oh, yeah. I lost an entire book. Oh, oh. A couple books, wow. actually. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I still haven't got that series out. <laughs> that's not good. I feel for you. You know why though, John? Because you already wrote the book once and it's no, like I know. And then there's no reason to write it again because you already you already did it. It's out there. Dude, yes. I did I got it out and, and then but they don't know that and they're like they're <laughs> mad at me about it. My my historical readers are. They want that book. So I need to get that out this year. It's on my agenda. It is. It was also right. on my agenda in 2020. So I was right, going to yes. say, are you making a commitment on yeah. camera that, that we will hold? I you guess soon? on camera. I guess on camera this year. Last year Sorry. I didn't do it on camera, so it didn't come That's out. That's true. So maybe, maybe this year. All right. There's still a couple other questions. I'm going to go with. All right. Let's see. Karen says. Um, what lifts your spirits when life gets you down? That's a good question to end on. Let's end on something positive. Well, I, I, I generally have a pretty good life. Um, it wasn't always good. I had a really tough time as a child. But as an adult, I've, I've made quite the wonderful life for myself. As I said, I'm engaged. Um, I have a wonderful business. I just I enjoy every day. Um, you know, some things, sometimes owning a business, there's some down moments. I actually just went through a really bad one this week, and I had a wonderful business meeting on Monday that turned everything around. But in the month leading up to that meeting, my fiance was there for me every step of the way. You know, she really was just, what can I do? You know, is there anything I can do to help? Or, hey, let's go for a walk or, you know, just anything. And yeah. she really is my rock. And she's the, the thing that I look forward to waking up next to every single morning and laying down with every single night and nothing can go wrong as long as I have her. Nothing. Yay. And can I just say that I love her little comment with the heart. It's just <laughs> sitting here on my screen. Like I, I keep said, looking she, at yeah, it. It's so cute. She, she, uh, I told her I was jumping on 
and I guarantee you she was sitting there going, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> like I said, she's really supportive. She's my rock. That's and, awesome because I won't let my husband watch our show at all, ever. <laughs> But but I that's the difference between you know like being married for twenty years and being newly engaged. I think maybe <laughs> yeah. yeah. We we yeah. still have romance, but it's it looks a lot different <laughs> after three kids and. I'm sure. Um, there she yeah. is again. Twenty years. Yeah. Well, I enjoy them. What what gets you? What brings you up when you're feeling down? Yeah, I'm, I'll I'll leverage on that too, and just say family, friends, wife. Mm -hmm. You know, I I. I you know, kind of, they're, they're kind of the support structure and feeling down, like, you know, you, you know, it's, it's hard with COVID. I, I don't realize how much I, I did have groups of people I went out with and regularly and, and friends, um, you know, cause I just don't want to dump everything on, on uh, my wife. And, um, you know, so sometimes it is, you go talk with friends and you go out, you go out for rounds of beers and, you know, you just sit there and, and you, you feel a little better and, and ready to engage with the world. So, um, yeah, so family, friends, I think that's it. But with COVID, you kind of, you know, you're, you're trapped in a little bubble and, you know, and that's that's it. And so um, hopefully with vaccine, we're, we're, we'll be turning the corner and back at the pubs and coffee shops and writer groups and things like that and, and seeing faces, uh, not through the digital screen, but through uh, real, real interaction. So I'm looking forward to that. So, yep. Yeah. Can you imagine what this would be like without technology? I mean, if we were all isolated and, and we didn't have Zoom and we didn't have Facebook Live and, and we didn't have social media to connect. I mean, right. yeah. yeah. It was like that once upon a time, but now we're was, yeah. interaction yeah. and going yeah. backwards is not easy. Yep. <laughs> Thank God for technology. No, I know I my kids asked me once if um life if there was color when i was growing up and i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> what the hell? they're like because they said that, you know like all the tv shows were in black and white so right. was it color when you were growing up and i'm like oh my oh my gosh i got the guitars <laughs> i know i know i'm not that old Yes, they did. No, it's a, yeah, I think we would be doing the uh, the party line. Remember that? I mean, I mean maybe I'm, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Everyone's age, maybe, but you get the three way line. Like, let me let me dial yeah. in. Let me call. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or we can just get a radio so, station and call in. Yeah. You know, to the radio right. station. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, my children will never know the radio. agony of commercials on Saturday morning cartoons. No. <sighs> so, now they just have that on demand stuff. I'm just like. I know. It's not special anymore. I know. It's crazy. But thank goodness for technology during this time because it lets us connect with fantastic people like you guys. And yeah, we really awesome. appreciate you coming yeah, on. Thank you. And no. Appreciate you having us. Thank you. What a treat yeah. for our viewers, Don. What's that? This is what, what a treat for our viewers. I know, right? I hope we didn't disappoint. So, yeah, right. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure I built up here. A lot of pressure. Yeah. No, you guys delivered. No, yeah. thank you very awesome. much. Thanks for, for joining thank us. You. And thank you, ladies, for all the questions. Donna, Lika, yeah. um, Karen, all of you. It was wonderful. And thank you again, Patty, for jumping on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, what Daniel said. <laughs> so we have a giveaway going on on um, the Romance Happy Hour Facebook page. We're giving away five copies of the Askew Ever After box set. And uh, all you have to do is jump on there. It's it's a, a what's it called? Raffle copter. Sorry, two glasses of wine. 
Rafflecopter. And so you just get on there, do the things. You can do some of them once a day to, to you know, enter every day. So get on there. We're going to leave it up till Sunday. And then um, and then we'll, we'll choose a winner and contact you. So, again, five copies of the Askew After ever after box set and there's over 20 books in those box sets so mm -hmm. jump on there and get those and follow us on our social media and i mean thank you for coming i mean it was so <laughs> much fun tonight yeah this was a lot of fun and we will be back next thursday same time same place for our regular so yeah, next um, Thursday, three in a row. Yep, I know. Well, we, we did have quite a break there at the end of, of last year. We had Karen said she missed us. Oh, <laughs> but I have to say, like, they asked us for weekly and I don't I don't know if I can handle weekly, but this is OK. <laughs> three in a row is OK. Yep. And we, and we do have book club coming up next month. So look for an announcement on that because we'll have a, an extra Thursday for book club. Oh my and God. I almost forgot to show you. Can I show you something? A yeah. sneak peek? Okay. Yeah. Cause you know, our boxes went out. I was just going to say, and the box, the box, our boxes went out. So Jothaben and Daniel, we have a romance happy hour book box that we just started this year. And so I was just going to show you guys one of the little, um, Oh, see, it's not going to cooperate. No, it's cute. It's super it's cute. It's a little yeah. romance happy hour charm bracelet. Oh, so if oh. you ordered the box, people should be getting them. I mean, some people probably got them today. But um, you'll you'll have in your box, if you ordered your box, you'll get your romance happy hour charm bracelet. And then yeah. every month when you get a box, they come every other month. But every month that you get a box, there will be another charm that you can add to it for, for that month's theme. So pretty excited about that. So I've got mine on. And let me let me see uh, those of you who got book boxes this this month. Let me let us see your photos of your boxes as you get them in. Yep. Yeah, we want to sure. see that. I know. I, Catherine says um, she's looking forward to getting it. So you must not have gotten it yet today. It went out yeah. yesterday. So. And happy birthday, Catherine! Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> oh yes, I didn't see that. Thank birthday you. next week. Yay. Well, I better get my package that I owe her off. <laughs> if you so owe book mail, you better get it out in the mail. It is book mail from uh -oh. like November. I love you, Catherine. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going right. to say goodnight because we are 10 minutes over. But um, we will say goodnight and see you next week. And thank you again, Jotham and Daniel, for coming and talking yeah, to thanks for being here. Set. Thank you for watching. I enjoyed it. I've come back anytime. Thank you very All right. much. We'll to do that. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Romance Happy Hour. To find out who's coming on next or catch up on the video episodes, visit our website at romancehappyhour.com. Don't forget, you can always join us live on the second and fourth Thursday of each month on the Romance Happy Hour Facebook page. To connect with Dawn or me, check the show notes for our contact info. We'll see you next time. Cheers! Cheers.